Well, good morning, everybody. Um, thanks for being here this morning as uh, people continue to filter in the room. I know it's weird for me to be up here this early. It's probably weird for you to see me up here this early. Uh, now I know how Cameron feels uh, to be up on stage and watch people come into the room, but come on in, uh, make yourself comfortable. My name's Steve Wallen. I'm the campus pastor here at Genesis Church. We're starting this brand new series called Losing Your Marbles. It's all about parenting. And so uh, just up front to let you know that I've got some credibility on this issue. Uh, I have two kids. Uh, Grace is 13. Audrey is 11. Uh, Grace is here in the room, so she's going to be completely embarrassed by anything I say this morning about her. So just know that right off the top of my head. Uh, that I, I want to tell you this. Um, when Grace was five, she was going to preschool, and I remember that uh, we heard her upstairs, our old house, we had a loft upstairs where the kids could play, and we could be down in the living room, kind of hear what was going on, and she was upstairs, and she was playing school, and she had some of her stuffed animals sitting around uh, in her school, and she would say things like, okay, now you need to come up to the board and do this, uh, you don't forget to do your homework, and she's, you know, instructing, uh, gently instructing these stuffed animals on what they should do at school. And then all of a sudden, so we're, my wife and I are kind of looking at each other and smiling and laughing and, oh, isn't that cute? She's playing school. Oh, look at what she's picking up as she goes to school. And then all of a sudden with uh, frustration, Grace says, oh, these kids are driving me crazy. <laughs> now, I don't know where she heard that, probably at school. But isn't it true that our kids, maybe more than anybody else, pick up on the words we use. I mean, if, you're, uh, if you have people that work for you at work, you get constantly frustrated by how the people that work for you don't listen to you, right? If you're a teacher, maybe you think, my, my students in school, they don't listen to me. But if you're a parent, your kids pick up every single word you say. Our words matter. I asked the question on Facebook this week. I asked, tell me some words that someone spoke to you that changed the course of your life. I got many, many responses, and, and there were some really great and encouraging words. Words like, uh, you have value. You are loved. Uh, somebody said, have you ever thought about becoming a pastor? That wasn't me. <laughs> somebody else was asked that. Yes, I'll marry you. Encouraging words. Hey, that guy would make a good husband for you, says someone about her current husband. Uh, you're pregnant. I realize that one could go either way, but I think in this case, it was an encouraging word. So there are some encouraging words that people have spoken to us that have changed the course of our life. There are also some hurtful words, aren't there? Uh, words like, I'm leaving. It's cancer. I just don't love you. You know, in every area of our life, the words we choose can make a huge difference in whether we are building someone up or tearing someone down. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, turn them to Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians 4 is where we're going we're to spend pretty much the whole morning on one verse. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own one, there's one of these right around you on the floor. If you have a, an iPad or a, a, some kind of a device, you should know that we have a brand new wireless net, internet system, a uh, new Wi-Fi system, and there is a Genesis guest login so you can get on to the Wi-Fi. So woot woot for that, right? Um, you can get your iPad out and you can look at your Bible there. If not, there should be one of these around you, and it is on page 816 in this Bible, 816. We're starting this brand new series. It's called Losing Your Marbles, and while we as parents, we, we sometimes feel like we're losing our marbles, don't we, as parents, but that's not what this series is about. Instead, we've got this entire jar of marbles here on stage, okay? And, and the truth is that uh, this marble, this marble right here is very important. And in fact, this marble... If you look at it the right way, it has the potential to change some things in your life. 
Now, now, before you grab your things and start to sneak out the room and think, well, that's crazy. How can a marble change my life? Hang with me, okay? It's true. I promise some of you will come back after we're done with this series in three weeks. Some of you will come back a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, and you'll say, man, that marble lesson really changed my life. Why? Well, because, as the video said, if each marble represents one week in the life of a child, that means that each marble has seven days, right? Seven chances to eat dinner together as a family. Seven opportunities in the evening to turn off the TV and play a board game instead. Each marble has one weekend, one Saturday for each marble, right? One Saturday. Of course, there's only one Monday too, so maybe that's, uh, praise God for that. But one Saturday for each marble, you know, the one Saturday to choose uh, how you're going to spend time with your kids. So I want you to imagine that on your kitchen counter at home that you've got a jar of marbles exactly like this, a jar full of marbles, 936 marbles to be exact. And, And that with each week that goes by, say every Saturday, you come by and you pick one marble out of the jar and you throw it in the trash. That marble's gone. You can't have it back again, right? Each week, we lose one of our marbles, and one day they'll be gone, and and one day all 936 marbles will be gone. Why 936? Well, that's the number of weeks on average from the time a child is born until the time they graduate from high school. Now, I know those of you who are parents that have older kids, you'll tell me you never stop parenting them even after they graduate from high school, right? I see some some heads nodding, But, but just think about this. I mean, how long do you have them at home? We have a limited amount of time as a parent to invest in our children. So my daughter Grace is 13 now. If this were my jar, it would be two-thirds empty and only a third full. And we've all heard people say, where did the time go? I mean, if you're a parent, think about how often you said, man, they're growing up so fast. You know, where did all this time go? If you have children that have become teens or kids that are grown and out of the house, anytime you look at old photos or you get lost daydreaming about the past, isn't there this mixture of emotions? Like it's so happy and you you look back at pictures and you remember, man, that was such good times, but maybe also what could have been different? You know, how could we have made that experience better for them? You know, someone once said that the, the days are long and the years are short, and that's so true. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks uh, thinking about the time we've been given. And so much of this series is about taking advantage of the time that we have or that we have left with our kids. And and some of you are here today, you've got a a new baby, you've got young kids, your jar is almost full, and uh, you've got a big jar of marbles, but some of you, you have lesser time with your kids. Some of you have teenagers, maybe they're in high school or they're getting ready to leave for college, and your jar is, is down to here, and you're feeling the urgency of spending that time right what we're going to talk about today and over the next three weeks applies to every mom and dad here. But, but I want you to know, I want you to know, even if you're here and you're not a parent, that there's something for you in this series too, that there's something for you to take away. If your kids are grown, uh, maybe you hope to be a parent one day, and maybe you've got a special niece or nephew in your life. Maybe it's a neighbor or a kid that God has intentionally placed in your life. Maybe for you, it's a grand, grandchild that you only get to see every once in a while or you don't get to see very often. Uh, maybe they're grown and out of the house. These principles that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks still apply. They can still make a big difference in the relationship um, with a child. In fact, Cameron asked me backstage. He's so good at this. <coughs> he said, what do you want people to get out of this who aren't parents? And, and as I was working on this message this week, where I was convicted in my life, um, I don't always do the best job of speaking positive words to my kids. But I really try hard at that. But where I was convicted the most in this life is I have these little neighbor kids running around all over my house. It seems like that um, they're like roaches almost, that 
Like they come out of the woodwork, literally, and they are invading my house. And the only time I ever speak to them is when they're too loud or they're jumping on the couch or some, they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And I think, how often do I get to speak words of life into the kids around me? I mean, think about this. In a culture where fewer and fewer of us are followers of Jesus, there may be some kids in your life that never get words of life spoken to them. You might be the only representative of Jesus they ever get to hear. And so here's why this is important. Every one of us has an opportunity with each and every marble that we've been given, every week we've been given to make a difference in the life of a child. And today what we want to talk about is how we can make a difference with the words we speak. All of us, parents, grandparents, neighbors, friends, teachers, Gen Kids volunteers, we have the chance to have an impact on a child with our words. Now, what's the big deal about words? I don't think I have to explain this too much, right? I'm sure everyone in this room could tell a story, just like I read uh, a couple minutes ago that people posted on Facebook, a, a story about how some wor- someone's words affected him or her as a child. You know, maybe they were encouraging words that got you through a difficult time in your life. Maybe they were empowering words that gave you the confidence to forge ahead when you didn't think you had the ability to do that. Maybe they were timely words were spoken to you right at the right moment, just when you needed to hear them and change the trajectory of your life. And on the other side of the coin, most of us could also share stories of words that cut like a knife, you know, words that left us wounded and hurt. And some of us still hear them replayed over and over again in our mind. I want to look at some wisdom today from a man uh, who wrote some of the most powerful and most repeated words in history. The Apostle Paul was a man who for a while did everything in his power to stop the spread of Christianity. He was a a Jewish man, raised a Jew, and he saw this um, growing sect of Judaism around Jerusalem, and he started working with the Roman government to kind of quell that, to make sure that these uh, so-called Christians didn't spread to outside of the area. And so he um, helped kill Christians. He persecuted Christians. Uh, He had a big hand in making sure that this didn't spread. But then one day, Jesus spoke words to him that changed the course of his life. And he became one of the greatest evangelists of all time and starting churches all over the first century world. That's the Apostle Paul. After starting these churches, uh, Paul kept in touch with them by writing letters to them. He wrote many, many letters uh, to the church. Most of them, many of them, were captured by historians and have become uh, part of our Bible that we know today. In fact, just about half of the books in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. They're letters to churches, and one of the letters in this book, the book of Ephesians, is where our scripture comes from today. So Ephesians 4.29 is where we're going to start, Ephesians 4.29. I've got it right here. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. All right, so uh, this verse says, first of all, do not let. And so I think what Paul's telling us there is that we have a choice, right? Even when we're upset, even when we're angry, uh, even when we're not feeling well, we have a choice at the words that come out of our mouth, right? He's telling us, do not let. My experience has been that scripture doesn't tell us to do something that we don't have the power to do, and it doesn't tell us not to do something that we don't have the power to stop. And so Paul says, do not let any, now that word any means any, All right, none, zero. So how much, let me ask you this. Here's a quiz, pop quiz. 
How much unwholesome talk should we let come out of our mouth? None, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, what if we uh, thought of our words like toothpaste? All right? Everybody brushed their teeth this morning? I hope. No, never mind. Don't raise your hand if you didn't. Uh, toothpaste, really useful stuff, right? If you uh, squeeze it out of the tube, you put it on your toothbrush, it's, uh, it's useful. I recommend everyone use toothpaste. It's good stuff, all right? But if you squeeze the tube too hard, right, it just goes everywhere and makes a mess. And sometimes with our words, when we're not controlling enough with our words, when we don't watch our tongue, sometimes those words just squirt out of our mouths, right? Now, here's the other part where words are like toothpaste. Have you ever tried to get the toothpaste back in a tube? Not going to happen, right? Our words, once they're out, uh, they can be useful or they can make a great big mess. And we, either way, we can't get them back into our mouth, Right? And so as soon as they come out of our mouth, sometimes we wish they hadn't. We'll do anything to take it back, but it's too late. We've already made that mess. And um, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And then he goes on to say, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So if we're talking about parenting, we're talking about the words we use with our kids. The question that I think comes out of this verse is this. How can we build children up with our words? How do we speak words that benefit kids? Because the truth is, uh, we could stay up here and say, you know what, you're only, uh, new, new age parenting, right? You're only supposed to say positive things to your kids. I don't know about your kids, but my kids aren't always perfect, and so sometimes they need correcting, and sometimes they need rebuking, and, and Scripture is very clear about that. But how do we use words in a way that they will build others up according to their needs? If we want to be people who make a lasting and positive impact on the kids of our lives, you know, if we want to have an impact they'll remember long into adulthood in a good way, right, we need to learn to speak words according to their needs, according to the needs of the kids around us. Okay, so what if every week we stopped to think about the influence our words are having on kids? What if just once a week we push the pause button long enough to think back to the things that we've said to our kids or to the kids around us? What if we stopped to think about what are the needs of my child? What is she excited about this week? What's he nervous about? What are the things that are in his life right now or in her life right now that are driving her emotions, that are driving his, uh, that are motivating him? You know, what about those things? What about their needs this way? What if once a week, one with every marble, what if we just took a moment and thought about those things and thought, you know what, what words could I speak to him or speak to her this week that's going to help in that area? What does it mean for us to have wholesome talk? You know, Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So that must mean that there are words that are wholesome words, right? So what does it mean? Uh, what does wholesome talk look like? And that's what I want to look at in the time we have left. Wholesome words, I think, do at least three things for us. And if you picked up the message notes on your way in, you should be able to see them in there. Wholesome talk does three things. Number one is this. Wholesome words are encouraging words. Wholesome words are encouraging words. Sometimes the kids we love need encouraging words. It's a tough world out there. It's not easy being a kid. Uh, Grace 
reminds me all the time. She says, uh, you have no idea what it's like to grow up in this century. (laughs) She's right. I don't have any idea what it's like to grow up in this century. I've never grown up in this century. I know what it's like to grow up in the last century, and she has no idea what that's like, right? But, But man, talk about a phrase that makes you feel old as a parent, right? But she reminds me, you don't have any idea what it's like. Do you know what kind of disappointment and heartbreak is in your kid's life this week? You know what kind of things they might be working with and struggling with and dealing with? It might be relatively small things, like little rites of passage, like uh, the loss of a stuffed animal. I can't find that anymore. It's it's lunchroom drama at school. Well, I used to sit by so-and-so, but now they won't let me sit by them, and now they like this person instead. And so it seems like such a, get over it, right? No, it's a big deal to them. Not making the baseball team or not making the A team. You know, maybe it's the breakup of a junior high romance that you know as a parent, it wasn't going to last anyway. But to them, it's a huge deal, right? Or it could be big life-altering stuff like a divorce in the family. It's a move to a new city. It's a betrayal of trust. I told my friend this in confidence and she told somebody else and she wasn't supposed to. Maybe it's a friend spreading gossip. You know, your encouraging words might be really simple. It might be a, hey, have I told you today how much I love you? It might be stopping in the middle of what you're doing to sing them a song, to to compliment them uh, with what they're working on. You know, catch a child doing something right. Kids need encouragement more than we think they do. I love the late uh, founder of Chick-fil-A, a a man named Truett Cathy, was asked one time in an interview, he said, how can you tell when a person needs encouragement? And he said, when they're breathing. You know, your kids need encouragement all of the time. Uh, I, I remember one time, as an adult, my dad came to me, and he said, Steve, I just want you to know that uh, you have met every expectation I had for you in my life. You, you don't need to do anything else to prove yourself to me. Um, you are who God created you to be, and it means a lot to me uh, to, to think about him coming and saying that to me. To, to affirm me, to bless me as an adult. Those words were so encouraging to me, even as a, I don't know, 30-year-old, uh, to think about that. I mean, talk about never stop parenting, right? How could you, this week, offer encouraging words to a child according to their needs? Could, could you use your words this week to encourage a child, your child or a child around you? But wholesome words don't just encourage. Sometimes wholesome words are empowering words. They're empowering words. These are words that give you them the courage to step up and stand out. Last year, we did a series called Teach Your Children. Uh, some of you were here for that. And during that series, I talked about the value of saying the four most important letters to your child. Do you remember that? I see in you, right? I see in you, the four most important letters you can say to your kids. Think about the child in your life, the dreams they have, the, the things they want to do, what they want to accomplish. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew. Maybe it's a neighbor who seems a little lost. You know, maybe there's a child right here at Genesis that you see running around the cafe and it seems like every time you see them, they're interrupting your conversation. Or they're about to knock you down or they take the last bagel that you really, really wanted, you know, and all you have to say to them are maybe words of discouragement. Well, maybe that child needs some empowering words. Maybe your words can give them the courage to step out and try something they wouldn't otherwise try. Empowering words are like a a net under a tightrope. You know, they may not help kids in, in what they're doing, but they give them the courage and the confidence to go for it in the first place. Now, don't confuse empowering with unnecessary praise, okay? This isn't about telling your kid they're awesome at everything. They're probably not. All right? 
You may feel like sometimes they're not, they may feel like they're awesome at nothing. Uh, now, that's a different thing, but, but there's nothing wrong with encouragement. You know, we just talked about that. Sometimes they need that. Other times they need empowerment, where the goal isn't to make our kids feel good or, or to make them feel good about themselves, but the goal is to have them see God's work in them and God's potential that he placed in them. I've heard it referred to as specific praise. So empowering words are words like this. I love your creativity. You, you always think outside the box. Or, or words like, uh, you're so respectful to other kids. That's going to be so important in your life as you grow into adult, an adult. Or, I, I love how inquisitive you are. Moms with toddlers, right? Your kid's always saying, why, 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 why? Don't you love how inquisitive they are? Don't you love that they want to know? They want to know. They just want to know. They're learning, and their little brains are like sponges, and they're just soaking up everything that they see, and they want to know why. And as a mom, you're like, no, enough. Please stop asking that. But don't you love how inquisitive they are, how they learn that way? You really did well in that situation. You know, that maybe is a spiritual gift of yours. What an empowering word. Hey, I know homework is hard, but I want you to know that I believe in you. That you're a smart kid. I know you can do this. Empowering words help our kids to see their potential. Is there a kid in your life who you feel like God has placed on your heart to empower? Maybe you just need to sit down with them or with her and buy them a Coke or a juice box or whatever they drink, you know, and look into their eyes and say, I see in you someone who has great potential. I see in you someone who can make a real difference. It could be life-changing for a kid. What, what empowering words could you offer to a child according to their needs this week? So sometimes the kids around us need em- encouraging words. Sometimes they need empowering words. But sometimes, number three, wholesome words are exhorting words. They're exhorting words. Exhorting is a strange word, but it serves the purpose, and it starts with an E. And so uh, it works here. To exhort is to strongly urge. To, to influence, to give warnings or advice. Now, exhorting words aren't as much fun to give as encouraging words or empowering words. They're, they're just not. Uh, you know, and uh, I think actually this is the hardest category to get right. And here's why. Exhorting words aren't scolding words. My, my tendency as a parent, I don't know about yours, but mine, when I see something my child is doing wrong, I want to fix it. I'm going to get it fixed, and uh, I'm all about efficiency of communication. You know, I have 35 minutes every week to give you everything that I know about a topic, and so I tend to be a pretty efficient, try to be at least an efficient communicator. And so if I see my child doing wrong, I just want to correct it, right? But I don't always use exhorting words. They don't always come from the right place. They may not be seeking to urge or influence at all. Uh, Sometimes I find myself using commanding words. They, They might be damaging words. Proverbs 18.21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, all of our words, but especially our exhorting words, have the power of life and death. So many times because of time or, or business or heightened emotion or whatever other reason, we choose to speak words of death to our children instead of words of life. And the very words meant to influence them and gently nudge them and put them back on the right path can, if we're not careful, actually serve to push them away. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of words that are not exhorting words. All right, And if you've used any of these in, in the last week, it's not my, um, I'm not trying to 
condemn you. I'm not trying to call you out. I haven't been in your house, okay? But uh, here are some words that are not exhorting words. I'm going to count to three. Not an exhorting word, right? Wait until your father gets home. Not an exhorting word. Why don't you ever, why do you always, why can't you be not exhorting words? My personal favorite. I brought you into this world. Everybody know how to finish that? (laughs) Exhorting words are simply speaking the truth in love in such a way that it can change the trajectory of a child's life. It's connecting cause and effect. Hey, when you did this, it caused that. When you said this, it caused me to feel that. You know, when, when you speak to your sister like that, it makes her feel this way. It's not mamby-pamby, kid gloves kind of parenting that replaces you know, punishment and discipline with a firm, no thank you, all right? That's not what we're talking about. It's having the courage to have a conversation with your child about what they did wrong and why it was wrong and how to fix it and in a loving way. But it's never a conversation that can come out of emotion. All right, if you find yourself at any time screaming at your child, those aren't words of exhortation. I know you're tired. I know she never wants to eat what you serve for dinner. I know he screams every day when you try to dress him because he just wants to run around naked. You know, I know she never, ever, ever does her chores without being asked, but screaming doesn't make it better. If, especially if your child is screaming too, it only makes it worse. I know it's hard, but I want to let you in on a secret. You are the adult in the relationship. All right? If you are with a child, you are the adult in the relationship. Your words, your actions, your attitude set the tone for how the conversation goes. You can never, ever forget that. Words spoken in love. Words of exhortation may be exactly what our child needs in this week of their life. As I close, I want to just ask you this uh, one more question. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to speak words of encouragement, to speak words of empowerment, to speak words of exhortation? I think for, for so many of us, it's this, and maybe this is true in your life. We never had that example. I mean, how many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you can look back at your childhood and think, I never had the example of somebody speaking words of life to me? You know, so many of my generation and the one before my generation and even the one after me didn't have parents who regularly spoke words of life to their children. And, and so without that example, maybe you don't have a model for how to speak wholesome words to your child. Well, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father that loves you very much. And time and time again throughout his word, he has nothing but wholesome words to say to you. Words like these, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Words of encouragement. Psalm 139, 17 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Do you ever stop to think that you have a heavenly father that thinks about you so much that you can't count the thoughts he has for you? He says, I can't even count them. They outnumber all the grains of sand. When I wake up, you are still with me. Or words like these, Psalm 149, 4, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. You ever think about that? That you have a father in heaven who loves you. He's crazy about you. He has plans for your life. Maybe greater plans than you have for your life. 
He thinks about you all the time. He delights in you. And with a father like that, how can we not, out of the overflow of that love, allow him to work in our hearts, to bring wholesome words, wholesome talk to our kids, more words of encouragement, words of empowerment, words of exhortation. We don't have much time. With every week that goes by, we are losing our marbles. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for that that lesson and that verse that just tells us not to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And God, I, um, I just confess that I, I don't always do that, that there are times uh, when my talk turns to the unwholesome where I, I'm just trying to be about my business and get the job done and get the communication done, and I don't always think about the impact that my words have on my children. And um, I thank you that there's grace in that, I thank you um, that because of your great love that they haven't been wrecked. And um, Lord, I just pray, I need your power, I need your spirit to help me speak words of life to my kids and to the kids around me. Lord, I know that every day you're speaking words of life to me. And you're speaking words of life to your children right here in this room. Lord, I pray that we could see that, we could be aware of that. Could you help us see your presence in our lives and hear the words that you're speaking to us? And God, could we take those and transfer them to the kids in our lives and make a difference for this generation that's to come? Lord, I thank you so much uh, that you sent your son Jesus for us and that he gives us a pattern and a path to follow. God, we pray all these things in his name. Amen.